This is exactly right. Giving kids a sense of agency and problem-solving skills around observation to hopefully kind of impart some confidence in, in the sense that I can figure things out if I'm able to look around and I have a little bit of background knowledge and I can use my own thinking skills to solve this problem. That's getting through life. Welcome to the Parent Footprint Podcast with Dr. Dan. I'm your host, Dr. Dan, and let me tell you about our mission at Parent Footprint and this show. It is to make the world a more loving and compassionate place, one parent and one child at a time. We believe the key to raising happy, healthy, and engaged kids is for parents to seek the same in their own lives, happiness, health, and engagement. Further, we believe that awareness is the foundation of successful parenting. And with increased awareness and intention, we can be purposeful about leaving a healthy footprint on our children. And today, our show is Unplug, Log Off, and Get Outside with our guest, Hans Asham. Let me tell you about Hans. He's a writer and world traveler. His assignments have taken him around the world on a range of adventures from trekking in the Arctic Circle to surfing in the Maldives. He attended the University of Wisconsin-Madison, graduating with honors in unofficial record time. We'll learn more about that. He spent a semester at the University of Cape Town engaging in field research before earning a Master's of Science from London School of Economics and Political Science. And since 2012, he's lived in New York City, working for various media organizations and creative agencies. And when he's not writing or traveling the world in pursuit of a story, you can find him at Rockaway Beach or Wandering the Catskills. He also has a new book, which we will be talking about, How to Go Anywhere and Not Get Lost, a guide to navigation for young adventurers. He lives in New York with his wife and his dog, Goji. Hans, welcome to the show. Thank you, Dr. Dan. It's great to be here today. Okay, so you have a story. Like you have a story about, um, I know you have a story because that's what you do, but tell us your story about how, I'm just going to say how you became an adventurer and you take that anywhere you want to take it. (laughs) Uh, I mean, I think it starts with just a good imagination. Um, I grew up on the shores of Lake Superior and Lake Michigan in a pretty remote area Um, So I spent a lot of time outdoors and I was lucky to be able to explore pretty freely um, in the woods and, and in the water. Uh, I grew up sailing. I had a really, we had a really small sailboat that um, was, was relatively safe, I think for me to take out with my sisters and uh, spent a lot of time just on the water, kind of getting lost and figuring it out and getting home for dinner and I think within that, I really just really cultivated a good sense of curiosity about the world. And it made me want to learn more about, you know, everything I would see. I would want to go deeper and learn about the history of something and how it worked. And through that, I really, I just, my curiosity just kept growing. And luckily, it's it's still there. <laughs> I feel like uh, that old saying, you know, the more I learn, the less I know is, is, I think that's how it goes. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, that's been a pretty well, common theme yeah, in my I, life. I love how just you start with curiosity and imagination, right? Like everything starts there. And, and obviously having the, you had the space and the place and the freedom to do that outdoors when you grew up. Yeah, totally. And, and, you know, as a kid, I, I, you always want what you don't have. And so I had this amazing natural playground that I explored and got super comfortable in and was able to do really amazing things in. But I was always like, man, I wonder what it's like in Tokyo right now. I wonder what is going on in Australia. I was curious about so many other places and other cultures. And um, I think like not having access to like, big cities and, and the amazing amounts of cultural diversity that come with that made me even more curious about um, different ways of life and different people. So uh, when I was able to start traveling on my own, um, luckily at a, a pretty young age too, when I was 17, uh, I, that's exactly what I did. I went abroad and, and tried to learn as much about other places and languages as I could. Um, but I think really that foundation of, of just, you know, having really good access to, to one part of my curiosity, you know, being the natural world and, and having to really seek out um, a lot of other information about, you know, people and cultures and, and art and music and literature and things like that on my own um, was really nice to have that kind of scarcity on one side and that abundance on the other side. Mm-hmm. When I when I um, read about you spending time in the Catskills, and then when I just heard you, you know, talk about at a young age or as young as you could get out, I immediately thought of one of my favorite books of all time, uh, My Side of the Mountain, uh, which takes place in the Catskills for a young boy of maybe twelve who just leaves New York to go live off the land in the Catskills, and um, it talk about imagination and adventure. Just just hearing the story and uh, and 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 wanting to be someone who would learn all of those survival skills, those life skills, those navigation skills. So, how did you, how did you start to learn those skills? Did you realize you were actually learning them, or did they just start to happen by spending so much time outside in nature and exploring? I think they they start to happen a little bit naturally, just through your observation of what's going on around you. So noticing that, oh, the, the sun sets in the same place more or less every day and rises more or less in the same place. And that's something you learn at a pretty young age, I think, especially if you spend a lot of time outdoors. Um, so just ob- observing things like that and then kind of realizing some of the, the science behind it or just how it works. Like, oh, yeah, the sun rises in the east because the earth is rotating and, <laughs> and that's why it comes up the same way every day. And then you're like, oh, cool. Um, and start to learn more about the stars from there and, and also how nature can give you clues to, you know, kind of find your way home sometimes. It's just, a, it's about observing. And, and it's funny because that's really the story of human history um, when it comes to navigation is it, it was just looking at the same things every day and seeing patterns and making sense of those patterns and then starting to use them to, to go further. So I think on the one hand, it, it is sort of a natural thing that happens. And on the other hand, once it becomes intentional, you just can go so much deeper and you could advance really quickly and, and 
those skills can, you can learn a lot really quickly if you have that observational foundation. If you have that kind of natural curiosity about the world, learning then becomes easier. Did, how do your, how do your parents come into this story? You know, like sometimes <laughs> parents, right, foster these things that you're describing. And other times parents are, you know, to some degree absent or just have allow a lot of freedom. And these things cultivate as a result of that space. So I'm always curious to hear, you know, how you feel or think about your parents in shaping you and this, this life passion. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I mean, uh, definitely a lot. <laughs> I think they shaped it a lot. Uh, not necessarily through absence or, you know, over-parenting or over-encouraging me to go outside. It was more of just giving me the, the base level of appreciating being outdoors and, and what that could feel like um, and then letting me do it. Um, we I grew up in a pretty outdoorsy family. Uh, we would do a lot of camping and hiking and sailing. And my dad and I would go out windsurfing together from when I was maybe too young <laughs> to, to do it. <laughs> uh, and so I knew that those things were fun and I knew that, you know, yeah, it takes a little work to get outside and sometimes it's cold and sometimes you're wet and tired and that's not always fun at first, but it's kind of getting through that into that, I guess we call it type two fun where it's not fun on the surface, but at the when you get home or when you really start thinking about it, you're like, man, I'm really glad I'm like super cold and hungry and tired and, and home safe. But I'm glad I kind of went through that challenging moment outdoors to, to be able to see that sunset or to happen to see a, a particular bird flying or, or whatever it is. And so I think they, they really just gave me the understanding that, it's worth the work and mm -hmm, mm -hmm. those moments are something you don't just happen to you. You have to kind of work for it a little bit and you have to be there for it to happen. Um, so I really appreciated that. And, and just the understanding of, of that every day you have outside. I mean, cause you know, I'm, I went to school. <laughs> I wasn't, uh, I didn't have this, uh, a homeschool life where I could go off and do whatever I want. I went to school and, and I remember times getting up early before school to go down to the little bay we lived on and on Lake Michigan and, and be like, Oh, I want to, I want to check the weather and check out the sunrise and see what's, see what the bay is doing. We would say, and see what the water's doing and, you know, see if uh, this particular bird I was trying to like track had come, had come back to its nest. And uh, I think once I started getting into doing that sort of thing, my parents were kind of like, okay, this kid, we don't need to encourage him anymore. If anything, we need to, kind of make sure he keeps his head in the game <laughs> school-wise. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah. Totally. Well, I love that you mentioned, uh, I mean, homeschooling. We have uh, you know, lots of listeners who, who have chosen homeschool uh, prior oh, to the uh, pandemic. And of course, with our, uh, there's a lot more educational opportunities that have come out of our uh, pandemic life. And, and, you know, there's like, there's space, there's time, there's less rigid structures. And, um, and the other thing is that, you know, you talked about at the beginning of our, our conversation of the sailboat was, um, I think it was safe. And, you know, I was out <laughs> with my dad, uh, maybe too young. And, you know, you also, the concept of 
uh, overparenting or not. And and that is what a challenge that parents have these days is. Um, I know I'm older than you, but you know when er- earlier generations there was less focus on safety and less focus on um, bad people are out there to get you. And we didn't know where kids were, you know, just, I I grew up in an area that early on there was lots of um, unbuilt field, like homes were being built. Like we were in an area that had very few homes. So I spent hours on my bike with my friends going to one field after another field, dodging rattlesnakes and, and looking at construction sites where there was no one on the weekends. It was like amazing. And knowing having kids, it's like, you're, there's just, I don't know. There's a, I guess there's a dilemma here for parents of how to give space, knowing that some things are a little unsafe Mm -hmm. and then also where to like, keep an eye on things. Uh, Do you have any thoughts on this in this modern time as you know, we're going to talk about your adventure book. Yeah, I, I mean, that's really interesting. It's something I was just talking with my older sister about. Uh, she has three kids, and I'm re- really close with all of them. And we were kind of talking about this idea of how, as a parent, you know, I think, and speaking as an uncle in this case, uh, you always want to be there to, to you know, protect your kids and help them make good choices and everything. And, and you just can't, you know, whether it's, like you said, wandering through a field that's filled with rattlesnakes on your way to a construction site that's filled with a whole host of dangers. But as a kid, you're like, Oh, that's really cool. That's like a sweet fort I can go play in. Uh, you can't always be there with your kids and you, you just, you shouldn't always be there with your kids. So one thing that I think I learned at a young age was how to make good decisions and getting the, the kind of skills to think through things critically and to solve problems on your own. I think that, you know, digitally with kids, kids, you open up a, an iPhone or the internet and kids are faced with a whole host of dangers and, and you can't always be having parental controls on devices and kids are absolute Houdini masters at getting around those sorts of things. <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> I mean, totally. I remember I, I'm kind of a child with a one, I had one foot pre-internet and one foot in the internet age growing up. And I remember immediately when our school got internet, it was like, you know, one kid figures out how to hack around the website blockers and then it's the floodgates are just open and kids, that's what kids do. It's it's scary, but it's also amazing. So I think, as a parent, you know, you have to, I think, giving your kids the, the skills to make good choices and to think through what they're doing, that's the way. Um, and I remember being in those situations in the outdoors and, you know, in some of my, like, early travels as a teenager being like, wow, I'm like, this is really freaked out. Uh, this could be really bad. What do I do here? How do I get out of this? How do I get home safely? How do I make sure that, you know, I'm not so freaked out. I don't want to do anything ever again. But I think it was just that having the, the kind of wherewithal to stop, take a breath and think through what was going on. Yeah. Um, That's what, that's what I found. Yeah. And I, I think there's a few concepts in there um, definitely worth noting. So a lot of time, 
in this day and age, it seems parenting is done to prevent bad things from happening or prevent our kids from making poor decisions that have some serious consequences physically or beyond. And I totally get that. Totally get that. And and what you said, though, is really key is how the orientation towards helping kids make good decisions and knowing what to do in difficult situations is actually a different orientation than parenting just to prevent bad decisions. Because that's usually more restrictive and can be more um, just giving child less space than here's some space, here's what situations you might come across, and here's some things that it's really important that you think about if you get into some of these situations. Absolutely. And to tie it back into my book, which is, you know, this kind of practical, historical, scientific guide to navigation, it's really about giving kids a sense of agency and problem-solving skills around observation to to hopefully kind of impart some confidence in, in the sense that I can figure things out if I'm able to look around and I have a little bit of background knowledge and I can use my own thinking skills to solve this problem. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's life. That's, that's not yeah. just being outdoors and navigating through the woods or in the water. That's, that's getting through life. Totally. I love that. I love that. And for everyone just to like what Hans just described is resilience. Like resilience is the ability to cope and problem solve in difficult circumstances, as opposed to like roll over and fetal. And, um, and, and so I love that this, um, well, I was gonna say metaphor, but it's not even a metaphor. It's like, it's, it, it, it is the process of teaching kids how to feel confident in their in themselves in their problem solving abilities and to know that you know they have the tools to figure out anything from a mystery to a really difficult and even um, physical safety type situation absolutely and and the world's confusing and scary and, and ever more busy and harsh and there's lots of stimulus coming at us. And I think with this book, especially it's, it's kind of drowning out the noise and it's look at what's important. So here's, here is a thing to look at, look at the direction of the sun, look at the way this tree is growing. Like it's really just being able to hone in on what's important, observe it, learn from mm-hmm. it, help make your decision. Um, that's something that I've, I've, especially through the pandemic feel like in my own life, I'm like, more focused on what's important, what is giving me a signal that I need, I can take information from to help me make a good choice rather than just having your eyes so wide open to everything going on. And it's so hard to pay attention to anything then. So in your book, you, you start with a, you know, you mentioned a historical view, you know, of explorers and ventures and, and what is, what is from your research and also of course, from your life experience, like what is in our DNA, right? Because it's like kids come out with the raw DNA that the raw, um, innate curiosity and, um, drive. And then, then 
we all get um, we all get society. We all get parented. We all get educated. We all get conformed, right? <laughs> and like, it's all of that is like it starts to just be like you know for whatever like kind of bred out of us or at least dimmed. And so, what is what is this this innate drive that we all have to explore? Yeah. So it, it starts from resources. We we are driven as human animals, we're driven for resources. So we want to find new things, whether that's food, whether that's land, whether that's just purely being curious what's on the other side of a mountain. Uh, So as creatures, we are just naturally curious and naturally want to move around the world and find new stuff, basically. And so our DNA, in terms of like what's in our brains, we have really pretty good cognitive mapping skills, which means, you know, if you think of your house, for example, you can close your eyes and you can totally map the layout of your house in like a couple seconds, you know, depending on how big your house is, I guess. But uh, you can map out a place. And and then if you go out from your house, you can map out your block, you can map out, you know, a couple blocks around your street and you can kind of keep going. And I think, you realize, well, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty good at that. I can imagine a lot of different kind of places and, and map it out internally. And then, so that's one skill that we have just in our brains as humans. And a lot of other animals have that skill too. And we also have a bit of a, an internal compass. It's not as good as, you know, some members of the animal kingdom have insanely like sensitive internal compasses in their brains that help them navigate, you know, oceans and oceans. Uh, I'm thinking of turtles specifically. Turtles have uh, certain minerals in their brains that help them navigate uh, through the ocean. So we have a really basic version of that, um, which helps us navigate toward a goal, not so much toward a direction uh, in the, you know, in the magnetic field of the earth, but more, I want to go here to say it's to the top of this mountain, but I have to go through this low forest and I'm going to get turned around a bunch. But as humans, like we, we more or less be able to pick a point and, and find our way back to it. And that's not the same for every person, but that's something that as humans, we, we do have. Um, and it's also a skill that can be learned and developed over time. Um, but yeah, I mean, compared with what we've done with tools and our, our brains, um, it's pretty amazing. But what animals can do just, you know, with the way that their brains are made up is also amazing. How would you then say for parents to cultivate this natural, this natural ability that their kids have? I think just, just practice it. Uh, you know, don't be afraid of, of getting, turned around or lost. I mean, you should be afraid of, of not ever experiencing that uh, because that's how, that's how you get better. And that's how you cultivate that skill is, is, you know, going out into a park or somewhere safe, you know, you obviously don't want to <laughs> find yourself in a, a life threatening experience, but going out into a park and saying, Oh, look at a map and say, Oh, let's, let's try to get to, to this area. And, you know, then look up and say, okay, I think it's, near this cluster of trees or toward this pond or hill or whatever. And then just finding your way there. 
walking, walking there, you know, maybe getting turned around thinking, oh, actually, I think it's over here. Uh, but just trying. I think that's the whole thing with, with that innate skill we have is just, just using it and not always feeling like it needs to be done perfectly, but trying. Um, you just, I just had a flash of a childhood story there because you talked about lost. So we were, uh, I have a younger brother and I think we were in the San Diego zoo, um, which, uh, and then we were entering like the children's part of the zoo or something, which, um, I, my parents said, you know, wait up for us, you know, right up there. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm just going in. Cause I'm in my, in my assumption, uh, I assumed it was very small. Well, we get in there and I might be, I don't know if I'm 10 and my brother's seven or something like that, or a little, maybe a little younger before I knew it, it was swarms of people. And I had no idea where we were or where my parents were. <laughs> and I remember having that first sense of like panic, pre panic of when you're lost, like you really don't know where you are or how you're going to get out. So what I remembered is, okay, be calm for your brother. Don't let him know we are completely in a bad situation here. And then I just remember how important it was for me to stay calm because I wasn't calm inside. I was completely overwhelmed. And then go, okay, where did my parents say to meet if we get lost? Right? Like, what was that plan? And then, you know, w- went there, looked everywhere for him, waited there. My brother's, hey, wait, like, just figured it out. And then, of course, my parents were pretty shooken up uh, by the time they found us. But I remember, obviously, so many years later of a defining moment because you can't, you know, you don't, can't really set up that situation, but it did tell me that I can figure it out if I just kind of keep my wits about me and reach out to other adults and, and navigate. And I hadn't thought about that till you said that because nowadays, like, we, so much of our life is don't go anywhere, stay here, don't go out of my eyesight. Here, where's the map? We need to know where we're going. And what you're talking about, though, is some planned activities. I know you have activities in the book and projects in the book, but this thing, like a planned activity to develop a skill where you don't have all everything laid out. Yeah, absolutely. And where you don't have everything laid out, and you also maybe don't know the outcome, and it's not really about the outcome. It's about how you get there. It's about the process. And mm-hmm. it's about, you know, you, you mentioned that feeling of that kind of pit in your stomach when you like realize you're lost and you're like, oh man, this is bad. That's something that I think the more you experience it, the more you can get to that feeling of agency faster and without feeling that same sense of dread, you know, maybe that sense of like, oh man, I'm lost now. What that, that never goes away, but you're like, all right, well, I, here we go. <laughs> I know where to start at least. I, I, I know how to think through this problem, whether it's at the zoo or whether it's in the woods or whether you're in the airport, you get separated. It's like this sense of like, okay, assess, I'm lost. This is bad. But how do I get unlost? How do I, how do I find yeah, my way back? Yeah. And, yeah. and get it, I think yeah. as a kid, like if you can get comfortable with that feeling and with that kind of process of like, going through the like, all right, I'm not going to freak out. That's not going to help. I, I need to think instead. Um, that's something that I, I definitely learned pretty young and has helped me throughout my life. Mm-hmm. 
So what would you say, like, what are the key, you know, the theme of this show um, is really like unplugging, getting outside, you know, like go getting out there. And I know like, this is really important to you in your life and, um, and what you speak and write about. Tell us what for you are the most important aspects of unplugging and getting outside. Hmm. It's something I, it's so second nature to me that I really have to think about. Uh, I think it's, re- it's about a reset. It's about knowing that you need the plugged in world. The plugged in world is, is our work. It's our life. It's how we connect these days uh, to friends and family. We need that and that's okay. But recognizing that unplugging is really the best way to succeed in that plugged in world and that it's mm-hmm. kind of this reset this this moment of rejuvenation and it's it's really time to connect with not just yourself but you know when it's safe with other people in, in your community and maybe people you don't know and even if it's as simple as just like you know smiling at someone waving hi to someone on a trail or in the park and that you don't know and um to me, it's it's about it's about connecting with something bigger than myself and with my view of the world and my work and what I'm doing. Because you realize the plugged-in world is very me, 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 right? It's mm-hmm. it's very, very, very centered on yourself and your network. And so, getting outside is is really just a reminder that we're part of something bigger. We're part of a community. We're part of a, a planet. We're part of an ecosystem. And that to me is what getting outside is really all about. And and that helps me when I plug back in. It helps me when I am working with someone and it helps me, reminds me that, you know, someone I'm working with on a project or on an article or, or whatever it is that, oh, they're, I'm not looking at them face to face, but they're part of the community too. And, and they're someone's, mm-hmm. you know, sister, mother, brother, friend, whatever. And that's a nice reminder. And that's what I get from unplugging. Yeah. And this makes me think, you know, you talked about how you, you straddle with your age, you straddle the, you know, pre post internet. Um, all, a majority of the, I would the majority of parents, this is going to keep changing with time, but the majority of parents, you know, grew up without any of it. And the most of the kids have never known life without it. And so I think uh, those of us before the internet, like we, even though we're still bombarded by being plugged in, we actually still have stories of um, no cell phones. No one knew where you were all day. Um, Being in college, my wife always talk about like, you know, there's that the, both the joy and the frustration of looking for your friends all night long and not knowing (laughs) if you're ever going to connect with them. Whereas these days it's like, Kid, you're being tracked like every step on someone else's phone, and so we, the, many of us, have this feeling and know what it was like to be unplugged, and how important for us to make that happen for our kids who are growing up in a completely digital world. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really about balance. It's about knowing, like you said, how how frustrating it can be to not have that tool of technology when you need it. But I mean, you, you talked about trying to meet up with your friends and how frustrating it was, but 
sometimes, or maybe it wasn't frustrating. Maybe it was kind of like, oh, it's exciting. And like, I don't know what's going to happen tonight because we can't, we can only plan so much. So I think, I think for me, it's really about finding a balance between, yeah, technology is super convenient, but it's also, if it doesn't work or I don't have it or it fails or whatever, it's, it's going to be fine too. It's just going to be a little different of an experience. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just yeah, kind of having that, yeah. that, that go with the flow attitude toward it is helpful. And, and then that makes you a little bit less reliant on it because it's, it's less of a, this necessary thing for your, for your, you to function. And it's more of this kind of cool added bonus thing you have. Yes. Yeah. Um, another memory, my brother and I went, um, backpacking in Europe, um, for one summer for part of a summer, um, in probably mid twenties, early to mid twenties. And we became really good friends with this, uh, fellow we met from Minnesota, like just started traveling together and just really hit it off. And then we had plans to go one direction. He had plans to go another direction. And we said, okay, two weeks, let's meet in this country in this town at this hotel on this day. And lo and behold, we did. And it was the most amazing, you know, like feet. We were like, it was beyond ourselves. And nowadays, right? Like you can't do that. It's more like, okay, what time are you going to be there? Where are you? Are you running behind? Is the train late? You know, keep me posted. I know it's just the exhilaration of that sort of navigation and connection was just amazing. And, And I'm just thinking like, how do we help our kids have that kind of exhilaration that you don't get when you're always plugged in. Yeah, that's tough. I mean, that those kind of it almost it, it's so planned, but at the same time, it almost feels spontaneous, right? It's like spontaneous that this worked yeah. out and it's so cool. Um, yeah, that's a tough one. I mean, I think just, I think it's keeping kids open to the unknown because that's, that's one thing that technology really attempts to take away is the unknown. And I think it's just keeping, you know, it might might not be the same experience, but it might be a new unknown that, that they can be introduced to somehow or, or at least be receptive to. Um, I think of, I think of eating out and dining out, especially in, in new cities or places I don't know. Um, I never, ever, ever go on Yelp or look at restaurant reviews or anything like that. I always try to like ask someone, you know, whether it's maybe it's a taxi driver or it's someone at, uh, like if I, I skateboard. So if I go into a skate shop, I always, I always ask, you know, someone working there, like, Oh, where's your favorite spot to eat? And then I just go there and I, I, I never read reviews. I try not to look at, you know, photos and stuff. And that's one way that, you know, even with technology, I'm kind of like avert my gaze in certain ways to just kind of, you know, keep myself open to new experiences. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you're, you're making me think of just the, the deliberate practice of not planning, which seems to be really Mm -hmm. important in a very planned out world where you can just click on something to find something and see what people think about something. It's like, how about these family adventures where you're just like, Hey, we're going to go camping, but we're not exactly sure where, or we're going to, you know, like it's just leaving things open. I love that, that open to possibility and open to the unknown as, as wonder, as opposed to something to be feared. Totally. And it's, it's looking at those potential snags or hangups or like, Oh, this campground's closed for the season. So what do we do now? Instead of looking at that as some catastrophic, 
annoying problem, it's maybe a cool opportunity to figure out something on the fly. And maybe that's saying, okay, I guess we have to park the car and hike up this trail for two miles and then we can camp. And that's cool. Yes. And you got to go hiking and you got to go to a stay camp somewhere that you never would have done otherwise. And you wouldn't have found that on the internet and you can't reserve sites anyway. So that's just an example of, of, you know, how not planning can be way more fun in some ways. Totally. We have this, uh, oh, there's Goji. Hey, Goji. There's Goji. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Um, we have this saying, or the kids in the family, we do a fair amount of hiking. It's like, we're, we're, it's just around this corner. It's just over this hill. It's just around this mountain. <laughs> like, cause we never know when we're actually there. It's like, wait, wait, there's a whole nother mountain. Like, no, yeah, it's just over there. We're almost there. So Hans, tell us about an activity or one that comes to your mind about, uh, that represents something in the book that the, that folks can look forward to in terms of, um, getting outside and doing some of these do it yourself activities with their kids. So one that comes to mind that's really powerful and simple, doesn't require any equipment, is finding your north-south position, your north-south latitude, using just the North Star and your hands. So there are lots of ways you can find the North Star. Um, we have several of them laid out in the book. Uh, but once you find the North Star, it's as simple as straightening your arm and stacking your fists from the horizon up to the North Star. And each time you stack your fist is 10 degrees of latitude. So if you stack your fist four times from the horizon to the North Star, that means you're at 40, degree, 40 degrees North latitude. Um, so that's just one really simple but powerful way of kind of finding your position on the Earth using nothing but your bare hands and your brain and the stars. And that's awesome. And uh, you talk about several others in the book for people to check out um, pace count beads and a chip log uh, star clock and, and many others. So I know that a lot of parents out there have these really adventurous inquisitive kids that are just going to eat this up. And also, you know, we're always trying to expose our kids to, new situations and stretch them and as we were talking about earlier it's like build that problem solving build that that those coping skills build that that resilience and that confidence and and these these act your book talks about many ways to build these skills in kids yeah there there are lots of lots of lots of different skills that we cover and the biggest one i think is is really cultivating a sense of observation. So really knowing how to pay attention to the world and, and what it's telling you um, about where you are and what directions you're going and, and what's going on around you. And, and that goes for everything from being in the water, being in the forest. Uh, we cover a lot of different landscapes and, and styles of navigation in the book. Very cool. All right, everyone, we are going to take a pause from the book and dive a little deeper with Hans with our parent footprint moment question. Are you ready, Hans? Yes. Okay, here we go. Tell us about a time that you became aware of yourself as an individual or in a parenting role 
And that new awareness had a positive impact on yourself, others, and those you care about. I love this question so much. Let me just start by saying that um, I, I feel like this is something that we think about a lot, but maybe don't always name or call out in our own life experiences. So this has been, this is a fun question to, to ponder. Um, my moment that I'm thinking of, I think there are many moments we have like this in life, but the one that I'm thinking of that maybe dates back deepest into my childhood and something I actually think about kind of often, uh, happened when I was at summer camp, I was probably about nine or 10 and I remember, you know, I'm the youngest of, of three. So I have two older sisters who have always kind of looked out for me and taken care of me and, um, you know, made sure I'm, I'm doing okay, which I'm really grateful for. And I remember being at camp and I was kind of just cruising through camp, having a good time. Um, and there was a, a, another camper in my bunk, a kid who I hadn't really connected with and obviously wasn't having a good time. Um, and I just remember kind of seeing that and and not really doing anything about it um, at first and just kind of cruising through camp and having a great time. And we did a, an overnight trip where we canoed to a little island in a lake and camped on the island. And I remember getting out there and my counselor was this guy, this hilarious guy. It's like something out of a movie. He was like, six four Dutch guy uh named Jan and he I remember looked at me after we pulled up the canoe to the island and he said have a good time and then he kind of just went off and did his own thing and I remember he kind of glanced at at this other camper who wasn't having a good time and I started to connect the dots and I started to sort of realize that it wasn't enough for me to just be having a good time, doing my own thing, enjoying it. I'd also needed to lift up those around me who maybe were struggling in ways I didn't totally get or need to get in order to help them. And I remember going over to this other camper and, and it wasn't like we had some heart to heart one-on-one. I mean, we were 10 years old, but I just remember asking him like, Hey, do you want to go catch some fish with me? And, He's like, yeah, sure. And we did. And he started to have a better time. And I just remember that it has always stayed with me that it's not enough to just take care of yourself and to be comfortable yourself. You you really do need to look at those around you and see how you can help those who maybe aren't willing to ask for help or maybe aren't willing to connect on a super deep level. But it's always about just putting out your hand and offering Hmm. yourself and offering a sense of friendship to someone that's always stayed with me. And I think it's something that I've done, I've tried to do throughout my life and I've, I've been on the receiving end of that too. I've been in times when I'm not, you know, having a great time (laughs) and people, you know, put their hand out to me too. So that's, that's really cool. Hans. That's just a really cool, like it's like the awakening of like empathy and compassion and that, um, I don't know, like almost a moral obligation or just to like to reach out and lift someone else up, even though you're fine. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think that even 
if we feel fine and think we're fine and, and recognizing that someone around us isn't, you're, you're no longer fine. You need to do, you need to, mm-hmm. to help in some way. Yeah. And, um, yeah. yeah, that's something that, that I've, I've reflected on a lot throughout my life. Thank you for that story. That is a great story and one that we all uh, will take with us today as we look around our day and assess our own life and those around us. Um, Hans, tell everyone how to get your book, How to Go Anywhere and Not Get Lost, A Guide to Navigation for Young Adventurers. Uh, thank you. Yeah, the, luckily the book is not hard to find. Uh, the book's available on bookshop.org. Um, any major book retailer will have this book, thankfully. And it's yeah. very easy to find. I'm also very easy to find online. Uh, my name, hansasham.com, where you'll get the latest updates on events and new book projects and this book. Um, also, social media, you can find me at, at my name as well. So I'm an easy guy to find. Easy guy to find on in the digital way, not easy to find when you're out exploring. That is true. <laughs> that is true. Yes. Yes. That, there, that's the balance, right? That's what we're talking about there, to yep. be accessible and inaccessible and out there at the same time. Yes. That's the balance. All right. Hans, thanks so much for sharing your uh, experience with us. And uh, I, for, I would tell you, for me, and I know for the listeners, sparking our curiosity and imagination and getting us back in touch with what that feels like. So not only can we uh, recapture that for those of us who need to for ourselves, but also f- cultivate this in our kids. Thank you, Dr. Dan. And it's, it's a great time to get outside. It is, everyone. Get outside. You know what I'm going to tell you, and that is just to strive to be the person you want your child to become. Remember, they are always watching. They're always listening, and uh, they look up to us. So be that person. Know that you are not being selfish by focusing on yourself and showing your child how to engage in life with purpose and intention. Tell everyone about this show. Help us with our mission to make the world a more loving and compassionate place, one parent and one child at a time. And as always, I'll leave you with the guiding question, what footprint do you want to leave?